This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. As I grew up and remembered my drowning, I could never get away from the question, how could I have seen my body lifeless if I was still alive? This experience made it clear to me that there was an existence beyond the body. Like the shell of a crab is an extension of the crab itself, our body is also but a shell, and when it is not needed, it will fall away. Before I was three, I was gifted with knowing that I had existed for a very long time. In fact, I have come and gone in different realms many more times, wearing many different shells, writes Dr. Ingrid Honkala. Valeria interviews Dr. Ingrid. She's the author of A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom. Dr. Ingrid Honkala was born in Bogota, Colombia, where she grew up with her parents and three sisters. From the moment she drowned in a tank of cold water at the age of nearly three, Ingrid was aware of other dimensions of life than those most of us normally experience. She was also gifted with the wise input of beings of light who gave her invaluable insights and assistance as she faced the challenges of growing up falling in love, and finding her professional destiny as a research scientist and oceanographer. Despite many hardships, she accomplished her dreams, becoming not just a successful marine scientist, world traveler, author, international speaker, and a mom, but also a mentor and a giver of light. Through her compelling life adventure that journeys from her native Colombia to Europe, and her eventual home in the United States, and from a deadly war zone to underwater explorations and a NASA research center, Ingrid reveals how any human experience can be illumined from within. If we are willing to pay attention to subtle signals, take our intuition seriously, and forgive our most challenging difficulties, anyone can experience a brightly guided life. Throughout her life, Ingrid has been guided to meet and help many people on their journey to become aware of a deeper reality and reconnect with their inner wisdom. When she was 19, the beings of light told her, Someday your life experiences will talk for you and you will pass our teachings to others. In her autobiography, A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom, Ingrid reveals how after having her near-death experience, NDE, the first glimpses of heaven were revealed to her and the doors that allow her to communicate with beings of light were opened. C. 
Since then, a myriad of experiences that many could call mystical and perhaps impossible have crossed her path. However, the beings of light have made it clear to her that she is not here to convince anyone about anything but to be a giver of light. To accomplish this purpose, she has been guided through an amazing journey of unimaginable challenges, awakenings, and miracles where along the way she became the vehicle to help others to rise up from some of the deepest states of hopelessness and bring them back to life. Through helping others, she was also able to become aware of her own shadows and overcome them as well. For all of this, she is forever grateful, so she wants to continue awakening, growing, and giving anything she can to anyone that is open to listen. Here is the interview with Dr. Ingrid Honkala. In your own words, who is Ingrid Honkala? Oh, Ingrid Honkala is someone that is trying to shine her light and to be able to just share and just be a giver of life for whoever is is around Ingrid and, and receive the light from others too. It's, it's never uh, something that we are doing independent from each other. It's trying to just go to that place of oneness. How can we reconnect by just being our authentic self? Yeah, just trying to, since I was little, since I was very little, trying to find the core of who I was, who who am I, what am I doing here, and what is all the world trying to to show me? I, I have that clarity since I was very young, and what can I do to help others? Since since very young, like I felt the pain of humanity. I felt the so I felt I felt it. I felt the suffering of the world, and I always thought, what can I do to alleviate this suffering? How wonderful! Thank you. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book. A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off-record. So the first one is, what is life to you, Ingrid? Life to me is everything. (laughs) I I had a near-death experience when, when I was very, very little. I was close to three years old. And just starting from there, it was for me the realization that I was eternal and that each one of us is eternal, that this was just a continuation, that we were just changing to say something, costume, dress, clothing, but we were eternal and that we were made of light life. And it was the, 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 the sense of appreciating that eternity that we are, that light that we are. And I was very, very little. And after having my new that experience, I would just have this thought in my head how I could have seen my body lifeless if I was still alive more alive than ever. So to me, it's just not 
something that animates the body. To, to me, life is, is absolutely everything, is every intention, is, is every moment of joy, is um, appreciation, gratitude, love, compassion. Life is what ignites us to, to just be who we are. But many times we forget that and, and we walk away from that. And it's when we start comparing depression star, we become sad because we forget that place, that place that actually give us that, that whole energy, that whole uh, vitality, that the whole place of even people also think that life has to be related with movement, with doing, with to me, in my near-death experience, life was going to that place of absolute calmness, Valeria, the place where we I was in silence, I was in the, that space of joy, a spaciousness. Oh, it was how can I give this? How can later on in my life, how can I show that space and that place to others? How wonderful. What a wonderful experience to have and to have understood the experience as life itself being everything and everything's connected. Do you think that life has an opposite? I don't think it does. I mean, and I, and I experienced that um, when I had my, my near death. To me, it's like, it, there is not an opposite. It's, I think... I love like to use the analogy of the sky. The sky will be always there. Life is always present. There's nothing else. There's nothing other than life. It is there, but hey, the sky can get cloudy. The sky can get covered. But even beyond those clouds, the sky is always there. That's a wonderful analogy. Yeah, a reference. What is a miracle to you? What do you consider to be a miracle? I I love this question because in my life, I, I could just say, and I see it, I see miracles everywhere, Valeria, after all the experiences I have had. And oh my God, you read my book is full of, of, of all these miracles and, and, and they are happening for everybody all the time. So um, we may have the opportunity to talk about this, but I started to communicate and, and see beings of light, what I call beings of light after my near-death experience. And through time, I, I, I realized with all that magic uh, that miracles were actually life itself. Even they said to me, you could say that there's no miracles or that everything is a miracle. Because, yeah, I would come and ask them, is this a miracle? People say that this is a miracle. People say that this other thing is a miracle. And they say everything is a miracle. The fact that we are alive, Valeria, is a miracle. I want to, to give you quick this teaching I received not, not long ago from, from the beings of light. They said to me, you don't imagine the state of gratitude in which every being would be if they realized that for you to exist, trillions and trillions and trillions of subatomic particles have to be in agreement. They say you are a divine intention. So we are a miracle. (laughs) 
everything. So I see the glass of water. Wow, this is divine intention. This is a miracle. I see the pen, the table, the dog, the tree. Everything is a miracle. And that's true. If everyone, every human being had this understanding and lived in gratitude, then everything would be so different. So what is the meaning of freedom to you, Ingrid? To me, freedom is to be your authentic self. But how, how can you get to that? How you get, get, can get to the sky that is not filled with clouds? How can you touch the sky of who you are? The only way to get there, Valeria, is to go back to the place where you're able to calm your mind. The true nature of who we are is a spaciousness, is calmness, is that clear sky, is that open sky, is that presence that is always there. But if we are so crowded in the head, so clouded, so all the time thinking, all the time remembering, all the time busy, all the time stressed, then there's not a space. And we start cutting that from that place that we call authenticity, because now we want to copy this. We want to be this. I want to be this other person. What if I am this other thing? And then at some point we realize I lost my way. I'm made of so many layers that is like the onion, that the, the heart of the onion is trapped into all these layers. So to me, freedom is go back to that space where I clear my mind, that space where I go into quiet and, and presence, the, the state of just stillness. And in my near-death experience, Valeria, it was incredible because I was able to go to that place. There was a moment right before I drowned, I could hear my, my heart bumping in my head, just like a drum, boom, boom, boom. And I also was living in a house with a lot of noise, with two sisters, animals, cousins. At this moment, when I went into, from all this noise to a space of absolute peace, calmness and it's when all the sound all the noise stop and i went to this place experience what i call silence behind the silence and i crave this for the rest of my life because it was that place where i want that freedom i want that peace i want that calmness and we can get it here we just have to remember that that's what we are and, and just make the work of just go back to that space, give it to ourselves, go back to that calmness, that's freedom. That's the freedom. <laughs> I love what you said about the silence behind the silence. So I'm wondering how we can experience the silence behind the silence, as you call it. Is that through practices or through understanding, awareness? Yes, I would just say there's a little bit of everything, but the most important thing is, yes, is to have awareness, is to, to have that knowing that, oops, my mind is crowded. I am stressed. I am busy. I cannot sleep well. What is going on? So I, I do different things in, 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 in my life to just go to that place. And nowadays, it is very important to think that we are in a world that is very stressful. 
So sometimes adding one more practice, adding one more thing into, into our life can just make the mind more, more busy and more stressful. So I actually, I love this question because I, I learned recently, I, I, it's called the meditation for daily stress. It's, it's the way of applying ancient teachings of meditation to our daily life. And I love this because I've been meditating since I was eight years old. And through time, I discovered that meditation was not a doing, was a state of being. So with this meditation of, of, of daily stresses, how I use every moment of my life to calm my mind. So in, in every moment of my life, I, I could just be, be walking. Oh, I listen my steps. Oh, I'll bring me to peace. And I just, I do walking meditations and I walk in awareness. I listen to the birds. I listen to the wind. I feel the sun. And I just, just with sense, sense perception, I am in that space of presence. And that brings us to, to calm the mind. We can even do it when we're walking from the office to the bathroom. Just, oh, listen to your steps. Oh, now you're not doing anything else. Uh, we practice the, I practice these beautiful meditations where we meditate like a mountain. We meditate like a bird, like the rain. So we use everything that is around us to make it a, a meditation. And even when you're doing the dishes, oh, I'm here in the water. So you're doing all this present with presence. And then you make your life, your daily life is that expression of, of, of that calmness and what this does is that when we're too stressed, we're releasing all the time stress hormones, and that and and that is produces inflammation in the body, and that makes us sick. But the more we start working in calming the mind, these stress hormones reduce, and we start releasing hormones that actually bring us to be joyful. We, we will release more dopamine and, and the system will start like, oh, changing. And guess what? When you start bringing to your system the sense that it, this feels good, you want to keep doing it. I say, people, if you have your cup of coffee, smell your coffee. <laughs> ah, that moment you're giving permission to yourself to rest. I said, it's like if you're you're holding your backpack and the whole day, you're uh, just to give an analogy, you're, you're just heavy at that moment that you just oh, smell the fruit you hold in your hand. Oh, listen to this bird that was singing, listen to the rain. It's like you take this backpack out of your shoulders and you give yourself permission to rest. <sighs> oh, this feel good. Yeah. I absolutely love that, this idea that we can rest in action. So we are here doing all this thinking, but at the same time, yeah, we are calm and spacious. And yes, we can pause. Yeah, right. Breathe, because most of us forget to breathe. <laughs> yes, give ourselves permission. To, I say, even if you're in the line, in the bank, and anywhere, just stop for a moment and just... One conscious breath. Oh, that's all we need. Remember that we exist. I said, people write a little note, write it in your hand. When do you ever think I exist? Really? 
when do we ever think about that? What if we just stop and say, oh, I exist. Wow. Yeah. This is amazing. Right. That's the realization of the miracle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that little pause, that little pause start making you feel good. And when we feel good, we start reprogramming our subconscious mind that have been programmed to know, don't do this, don't go there, why you're doing that. So it's always a stress since we're little. What about we start saying yes to ourselves? I say to people, say that you're walking, you go for a walking meditation, and in your walking meditation, you come back and realize, oops, I didn't feel any bird, I didn't feel the wind, I didn't hear my steps. Oh, then instead of punishing yourself, I said, pat yourself in the shoulder because you're becoming aware that you were not aware. I love that. <laughs> yeah, so we start like saying to ourselves, right. wow, see, you can do good. And then we are giving ourselves a gift, the gift of, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. And, and this, this is amazing what, what, how this can do for our, our subconscious mind that has been so conditioned to think that we are not good that we're not good enough, you're not doing it good. What about if every time that we have awareness for whatever it is, say, oh, I was angry today. <gasps> I am aware that I was angry. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So, wow, now we're giving a gift to ourselves and that feels good. And the more we teach ourselves to feel good, then we reprogram ourselves to be more calmer, more open. And then we're opening that door to freedom. Yeah, that's a very interesting way you connect it. Freedom to being open and the calmness will allow us to be more open and receptive to life. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? To me, the world's greatest need, Valeria, again, is, is to calm the mind. I think if since we were little, we will teach our children to calm the mind. And it doesn't have to be putting the, the child to sit there with the, I mean, if we do that, that's great. I mean, I, I have my son in a school where they practice meditation. Oh, that already in itself is amazing. But what if we just become the embodiment of that calmness? What if I am... I, I am at home and, and instead of turning my head to my son every time that he's trying to talk to me and say, oh, I get you later. I'm busy. What is the child learning? Busyness, stress. I'm not good enough. I'm not important enough. I've done this because I, 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 have, I have the experience of this. I have practiced this with my son since he was born. And I would always pay attention. Even when we were in a restaurant with people, I would turn to him every time he says, mom, and I would just say, what do you need? That was incredible. So he learned to know that, oh, I can be calm and it's okay. I, I don't have to just keep like the stress of having to cry or scream for me to be listened. That's the other thing, Valeria, when we calm our mind, we learn to listen. And that's something that our world is needing so much so true wow. to be listened so imagine if we give that little minute to our child that is trying to talk to us okay 
now that child goes in peace and we feel that peace so this is what what the world is is needing so much right now and the way I, I see the future of, of the world is like I know that more people nowadays are deciding to see that there's more beyond the physical reality. They are starting to think there has to be more. What can we do to to be that that is out of this world of stress? That's why there's so many people also suffering now painful, so many suicides, because people don't feel they fit in the world. They want to express that. They know that there's deafness in them, but they don't know how to express it. I think the more we start paying attention to that, the more we start seeing that we are more than this physical reality, that there's a deafness in each one of us, that Oh my God, we are this being of light. <laughs> I remember when, when I was younger and, and I watched this movie. It was a movie called Cocoon. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I heard it was, about it. Yeah. yeah, these extraterrestrials. And it was a moment that one of them like rip off the, the skin, like open the skin, and it was a being or an alien made of light. And I said, Oh, that's what we are. That is what we are, because during my near-death experience, I saw myself as a being of light. And I say someday all of us will be able to realize that that's what we are. We are the light. And what about if we could be that light for each other? If each one of us discover that we have that greatness, that light, the life, then we can start giving it to each other. And, And that goes together with knowing when we calm our mind, when we go to the state of awareness, we start realizing, Valeria, that life is not happening to us. Mm, right. It's happening for us. Right. Every challenge, we see every challenge as an opportunity. The suffering stops because we're realizing this is showing me something. This is trying to guide me somewhere, a place that I have not seen. What about instead of pushing this away, I invite this emotion, this suffering, this pain, and ask, what are you here? What is this for? What are you trying to teach me? What is that I have not seen in myself that need to be corrected? Oh, now life, everything that happens is an opportunity to grow, to expand, to find who we are. What is the purpose of suffering? Do you believe that everything we go through has a profound meaning? Absolutely everything, yes, yes. And there was a moment when the being so light said to me, nothing in the universe lacks purpose. There was a moment, uh, Valeria, and, and I can say, I can talk like all of us about suffering from a place where I reached a point in my life where I wanted to kill myself. I went to that state of so much depression, so much suffering. And it's when I pray from my heart for the first time and say, instead of trying to change my outer reality, my prayer was, God, help me see because I cannot see. I cannot see what all of this is for. Please help me see. And then I was guided to visit, uh, uh, the guidance came incredible. 
and all these synchronicities brought me three people from three different, <laughs> completely different sources talked to me about this doctor. I went to meet him and he told me to write a list of sufferings. And he said to me after we read the list together, by the way, he said, writing about all this is very cathartic. I was like, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I am a scientist. I don't write sufferings, but oh well. (laughs) (laughs) So I wrote the list. We we read it together and he said, wow, in my 37 years of career, I've never seen someone that has suffered this much and is mentally stable. And I was in shock. I'm like, I didn't think I was the one that suffered this much or anything like that. But yeah, I was at the point where I was, I was done. And then at that moment, I had that question that I have, and all of us, I know how many of us, and I had it since I was little, why me? Why this is happening to me? And the answer of that question was absolutely amazing because in the simplicity of things, sometimes we can find that light. And for me, that was the switch that turned on the light. He says, why not? And at that moment, he said, look, Thanks to this, you've done this. Thanks to this, you've done that. Thank to th- and the other amazing thing is I realized this guy had been listening because he could tie all these knots and I started to see, oh my God, Valeria, at that moment, all my neurons, everything connected. And I'm like, oh, I started to see the purpose behind all the experiences. And at this point, I am in this state of amazement and and a state of gratitude. It was like how I can even be grateful with almost being raped or killed or or dead. I don't know, but everything at that moment made sense. And I started to see life is happening for me. And I experienced also the state of, ah, the, the true meaning of forgiveness, which was there's nothing to forgive because nothing ever happened to me. It happened for me to bring me to this place, to bring me to this clarity. So that was absolutely incredible. I I give a a little example just to give you this beautiful analogy. I give the analogy of a bird. Say there's this little bird is in a nest and this bird is all comfortable. This nest is good. And suddenly the mom decides, okay, it's time for this bird to leave the nest. And the bird is like, what? No, I'm too comfortable in this nest, but the mom knows. So at that moment, the perception of the bird, like for all of us can be like, my mom is so bad, what she's doing this, or, oh, my mom knows what is good for me. But say that I uh, that I am a birdie that is like, no, why my mom is so bad, the world is terrible. And then we get trapped in that space of being a victim. So now the bird stays in the nest. Then guess what? The next challenge is going to to happen. Now the the nest is too small. The bird starts like being messy in the nest. So now the nest is smelly. So all these challenges start happening for this bird to leave this nest. But the bird is very stubborn. And now at this point, no more food. The bird is hungry. And if this bird doesn't leave, a storm will come. All these challenges, the the less we listen, the more the challenges will be until we make the decision. So now the bird decides, okay, it's enough. He jumps out of the nest. Mm 
and he flies. So if all these challenges and all these sufferings didn't happen, that bird never would have known that it could fly. I'm wondering why it's so challenging for us to accept this truth, that everything that happened is for our growth. Yeah, because we have been programmed that way. We have been programmed since we were little to think that uh, a challenge is a bad thing, that suffering is a bad thing. But if since we were little, and again, I have practiced this with my son. I always said, look, look this choice that we make. What do you think this choice is going to bring you to? Ah, yes, mom, you're right. So we work with awareness. You know, if education, Valeria, with our children was directed more to bring the good from them, see the light that is shining in that child and get it out. Let the children express themselves. Help them to keep that awareness. Look, if you act this way, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, you're right. Instead of saying, no, you're doing this wrong, you have to do this, and I am the mom, and you do what I say, and the teacher, you do what I say. So what? since we're little, we're completely conditioned to think of life is, is a negative thing. The first word that we learn is no, don't do that, don't go there, no, no, no. So it's, it's about reprogramming ourselves. You know, this is amazing. One day when, when my son was little, I was sitting in the couch and I was he was listening to these lullabies, the, the children music. And and I say, why this music is so repetitive? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's when I got it and I said, wow, it's because we learn by repetition. And only by repetition now we have to unlearn everything that we learn. And by repetition, we can learn new things. So is what about I start working from the place of awareness, working and, and thinking this is not it's not done to me. This is oh and like I said to you before, when there's something I don't understand, I said source, God, light, whatever we call it, help me see because I cannot see. What is this for? Please give me the clarity. I may not have it at the moment, but later it will be like, oh, I get it. I get it. This was trying to show me this. And the more we go to that place of appreciation, the more the doors open for us because then now we're seeing eyes, the life with the eyes of wisdom. And I love the word you use, the phrase inner wisdom. And I guess because you're speaking of children, how to teach them to become more self-aware and aware of this inner wisdom that we all have and children already have. How do we balance that? Like as parents, balance not telling children what to do, but letting them experience their own reality in life and then make their own decisions based on that wisdom within. I think it's very important, first of all, to start with ourselves. Yeah, right. Because I cannot teach my child if I am not an example (laughs) myself. (laughs) So true. So I have to be the embodiment of that. And you know, Valeria, once you become the embodiment of that, then incredible, you know the answers within yourself and you know how to work with your child. Many times I stop and I and I say, I don't know how to do this. I don't have a manual. But then when I calm my mind, 
and I create that space, I get the answer. And the answer is incredible with the children are simple because is the we complicate things so much in our mind. And we go with, and they're just showing us the simplicity of life, how just with a flower, how just with a little piece of plastic, they can have fun. And we're trying to say, no, I have to give him the toy that is, I don't know how much expensive and all these. No, it's like, it's going back to the simple. It's, it's letting that, that person show you, look, mom, I know this. And I said, what about we try this way? What about we, we, we learn to listen to that wisdom? And of course, there's certain things that it, we feel is dangerous, that, but it's always, I say, is going back to that place of calmness ourselves first. And then we can see with clarity what others are doing. If our mind is confused, if our mind is busy, we cannot even see what the child is doing with the eyes of clarity. How? It's not possible. Great answer you gave me about the way to teach anyone, our children or anyone around us, is to be it. I agree a hundred percent. You know, I, there was a moment where I was even like now you mentioned everyone. I was still working for the, I work for organizations like like NASA, the U.S. Navy. There was a moment where I had this what I call my big awakening, and I was in this state of like. <gasps> Whoa, how I tell everybody this. And then I asked the beings of life, what what should I do or say for these people to to these people? And it, and it's incredible, Valeria, because the, the answer it was just so wise. They said to me, do or say nothing. The light of your awareness is all they need. So many times in our lives, it's not about saying or doing anything. Just be that light. If you're the embodiment and you have this enlightenment moment, you you have the realization, I am the sky. So be the sky. Be the embodiment of, of joy, peace, compassion, kindness, calmness. And you don't have to say a word. People will feel the essence that you are. And wherever you go, people will feel that energy. So it's many times in life, don't use or don't try to think about doing anything, just be that. And then you're already at purpose, you're already doing the work. So I have one more question that related to um, the warm-up questions. It's about love. What is love to you? And then uh, if you could give me a little bit insights on love and fear if they are the opposites? Oh, to me, again, like life, God, love is absolutely everything. I just say God, love, source, <laughs> divinity, love is everything. It's, you know, I had an experience, of course, my near-death experience was the, 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 the first time in like with awareness that I had that absolute knowing, wow. And I didn't even know the word love yet because I was little, what that meant, but I was in this place of absolute peace and joy and calmness and just bliss. And then, wow, throughout my life, I would just see things and I'm like, wow, then... Then see the, the, the dog, the flower, and I have that sense of appreciation 
of gratitude and sometimes we tend to lose it in life because yeah I became so busy I became stressed and it's when I just oh we forget to be grateful to have that sense of connection and that's when we fall in depression so when I experienced that deep depression I I knew at that moment how I had separated myself from that sense of peace calm love And then I had this big awakening, Valeria, and I was driving my car. And it's when I had this sense that the car, the windshield, the seat, every part of my being, everything, absolutely everything was what we call God or source or just ultimate reality, love. Oh, there was nothing that was not it. That's that's what we are. The the true nature of who we are is love, unconditional love. So that that was incredible. And later in my life, I kept learning more and more teachings about that. The being so light said to me, what do you think people have children? It's not just to procreate the species. Yeah, that's part of it. But the true meaning of it is to show us unconditional love. Everything in nature is guiding us back to our true nature. We just have to see it. They say, what do you think you do when you eat together? When you are eating, and that's what we have forgotten to do. When we eat together, we're sharing. They say it's not just to keep your body alive with food. It's because the fact that you sit together around a meal creates union. This creates connection. You go back to that place of love. So life in everything it does is trying to bring us back there. But as long as the mind is busy, we cannot see it. And that goes back to what you've been saying this entire time about calmness, calming the mind and bring it back to that space. True. And I have some questions for you, lots of questions and not enough time. What was the intention of writing your book, A Brightly Guided Life? Oh, the book is amazing, Valeria, <laughs> because I never thought about writing it. Yeah. It was like, oh, I cannot write Like, I was writing science for so long and, and doing all this scientific work. And when the book knocked my door, I'm like, I'm not writing that. (laughs) I'm just like, no. And I also thought it was egotistic writing about yourself. So I thought, no, I'm not doing this. And it was not possible. I said, when when something like this comes to your life, it's like, you cannot stop it. It's like, if I would have stopped and not write this book, I would have been sick because the book wanted to be written. It was this moment where, Everything just was in my head. And if I thought I'm not writing this, it would just be in my head until I just did it. And it would be at night. It don't matter where I was, supermarket, office, car. I had to stop the car and write. So the book just happened. And then some people would ask me, why are you writing this? Is you thinking you're going to write a bestseller? And honestly, to be honest with you, Valeria, I always thought, I don't care. I don't care because I I thought if one person read my book and it does good to that person, I'm already a bestseller. That was all my intention. What can I do with these experiences? Since I was very little, the being so light said to me, your experience someday will be given. It's not for you to keep. 
And that's for all of us. If we have these stories that can inspire others, that can help others, that can serve as the light in the path of others. So we have to share them. Yeah, that's fascinating. When the universe wants something to get it done, it will make it happen, right? No matter what. No matter what. <laughs> it will keep knocking. Yeah, it's so true. Why did you choose to become a marine scientist, Ingrid? You know that that's incredible. There's, couple, there's a few things about that because when I decided to, to become a marine biologist, a marine scientist, I was very little. I was only um, about four years old when my parents took me to see the ocean. And the moment I saw the ocean, I was absolutely mesmerized. I was like, oh. and I turned to my mom and I said, someday I'm going to know what is under that blanket. And my mom was like, so surprised. And then when I was five years old, I approached my dad and I said, dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be a marine scientist. And he was like, okay, that's what you want to do. That's what you will do. To the point that when I graduated from, from my career, my dad was, he will always remember that and he will give that a speech. Ingrid always knew that this is what she wanted to do. And I wanted to always just, my love for nature, my love for animals, that connection with water was incredible. And this is when it comes the other thing. People ask me, how did you become, because I am a scuba diver, right? I love the water. And they say, but you drown. Your near-death experience was drowning. How could you not be petrified of water? And I said, because actually the opposite. I said, because drowning brought me to see the light. And when I drowned and I experienced the depthness, the absolute depthness of who I was, then that became like that parallel in my life, that place where I wanted to know the depthness of everything. And for me, diving, for me doing science, for me investigating was how I go deeper and how I go deeper. When people ask me that, what is the they ask, but you're a scientist, how can you be a spiritual and be a scientist? I said, the difference is in the head. There's no difference. I said, if you're the embodiment, if you're your authentic self, the embodiment of kindness, compassion, love, then there's not different there. I said, where is the separation? If you are all that, then you can be a scientist, you can be a carpenter, you can be a cook, whatever you are, and you're already being a spiritual. Yeah. Everything is spiritual. Everything, exactly. Right. There's nothing that isn't, right? Uh, and now science actually is even proving it, knowing that everything is energy, that everything is light. So, so it's incredible how everything just go hand by hand and we are we use our mind to create separation. But it's, it's just a trick of the mind. There was a teaching I received from the beings of light when they said to me, if you think about it, absolutely everything, Valeria, is in the state of presence. If you think about the rock, the tree, the dog, the pain, the food, your body, every cell in your body is in the present moment. Otherwise, it could not sustain your body the way it is. 
the only thing that is not in the present moment is the mind. Yeah, so true. Yes, so and true. the more, yeah, we keep our mind, the farther we keep it from, by being busy from the present moment, the more discordance we create and the more suffering we create for ourselves and others. And you talk about the unlimited mind and the unlimited possibilities. But before that, let me ask you a question. When you say beings of light, do you also mean to say our own intuition? Yes, I mean, at the end, Valeria, everything is connected. Right. There's only That's oneness. Right. <laughs> so so <laughs> we, we talk even yeah, about, about angels, ascended masters, you, me, the birth. But at the end of the day, it's only one consciousness. It's only one consciousness that is experiencing itself in so many amazing different ways. They, I, I see the example and I, I, I have this beautiful vision of, of a kaleidoscope and how it's just one source, but it expresses itself in so many incredible ways that, oh my God, is amazing. So for me, I was little and, and when I started to, to have uh, the possibility to just connect. Maybe for me, it was important at that time because I was having so much awareness. I came back from my near-death experience with awareness, the clarity that I was not just this body. My parents, my biological parents were not just my parents. They were my equal because I experienced the state of oneness. I had abilities like right after my near-death experience, I could read, write, resolve mathematical problems. I could put together complex puzzles. In my mind, it was the knowing I'm not learning anything. I'm just remembering. So what we call intuition is, is, is just the awareness. It's just the place that we are, the totality of everything. We're just remembering. And the more connected we are with that, the root of knowing we are consciousness expressing itself. We know everything already. And again, I, I, I would never, I guess, stop repeating this throughout the whole interview, but if we calm our mind, we can connect with that source, with the source of who we are. And, and to me, like, uh, like I said to you, I, I, I had all this awareness, but nobody around me understood what was happening with this child. So thankfully for me, it came in, in, in the way of like, by f I was around four years old when I started to experience the presence of beings. And, and to me, they, they shine just like bright light stars, like suns, and, and they even shape themselves into a human for trying to show me we are like you are. And then I started to receive all these guidance. And it's been like, that for me through all my whole life. Interesting that you're very much aware that you have been guided your entire life by spiritual beings. And for most of us, it has been um, a challenge to uh, reconnect and to remember and to listen to that voice. Would you say that the reason why is because we have been focusing too much on the mind realm? Is that the reason? Yes, because we focus too much in the physical realm since we're very little, then we lose that connection. That's that's how, <laughs> look, 
this is amazing because through time, you know, how my near-death experience, I was close to three years old. And people even ask me, how can you remember these? And it's because now, like I said to you, I could I could hold the, the memory of even the eternity of my being. So for me, I, I was just remembering, remembering. But in my life later on, I asked the beings of light, I asked, why did my near-death experience happen when I was so young? And the answer was incredible because they say, because you were old enough to remember, I was close to three, but you were all, but you were young enough not to be conditioned yet. So that's the key. My mind was like the clear canvas that was not painted yet, but oh yeah, a little bit because by three we already have a little bit of conditioning, but my two my two parents were, we were left at the care of the maid that was busy, so she let us be. She would put us in a room with my sisters and do whatever you want. So even they said your parents being busy and working meant to happen that way, that way you could have the freedom of being yourself. So I, I, I didn't have much conditioning in reality. And then that led my mind to just be like this clean canvas open and, and free. Yeah. So my focusing, it, it, you said it, my focus of attention remained in that realm that I experienced because it was so amazing, Valeria, that I wanted to stay there. So reason why after my near-death experience, I started to have auto-body experiences and just kept seeing that the presence of, of the light continuously. Did that make you to desire to be in that realm, more in the spiritual kind of connected and somehow push away the, the physical reality? Yes, yes. There was even moments where I would just think like, this was a dream that, that I, I had that clear, this is the real thing and this is a dream. I, but I was young and I was confused and the, the world around me didn't bring any clarity at the moment to help me understand what was happening. So, yeah, it was it was it was hard. But, yeah, I, I did not want to be here. That's for sure. <laughs> I assume that because once you have experienced such a clarity and amazing state of being, it's easy to kind of want to push away the heaviness of physical realm. Yeah, but you know something incredible about it? Because you asked me before about balance. Yes. And, and yeah, we, we left that behind. But incredibly, look at how compassionate and amazing is the universe. There was a moment where I started to see the beings of light. It was only when I went to sleep, I was having this auto body. Now we know as auto body experiences, I was going to this realm where I was seeing just light. I started to see the beings of light and I felt so, so good. But there was a moment that now I needed to experience balance. I could not sleep for the rest of my days or, or just be in that state. So it's when the beings of light started to appear in this realm. And I started to feel so, so well. I, 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 For a moment, I refused to eat. I was angry. I didn't want to be here. And when they started to appear in this realm, I started to heal, talk to my parents, eat, have joy. So later in life, what the beings of life explained to me or what I understood is like, it was trying to show me that home was not a place, was a state of being. 
So it, it was not about being there, without being here is where your mind is. If you your mind is in that place again of love and calmness and wellness, then you're already home. Yeah, the home is here now and uh, wherever we are experiencing is home. Yes, because we can be at the state of hell or heaven right now. I can be just, oh, and get a phone call and, oh, my God, somebody died in an accident. So it's, it's a mind state. But the more I learn to calm the mind, even the bad news, what we call bad news, can be received as okay. Would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book before I ask you my final questions? Oh, that would be really nice. I never have read a passage of my book to anybody. So I would love to do that. There's any, any you will choose that I read? You can choose. I have a passage here about the unlimited mind, but that's uh, something that I chose. So I would like you to choose um, instead of me. So this is a chapter in my book called The Temple. And this is one day that I was with my grandmother, who was an incredible, oh gosh, an incredible example for me. So it reads like this. It was a cold and drizzly Sunday afternoon. So grandma and I were all cuddled on my parents' bed trying to warm up. She was talking to me about the wonders of this life and how the body was a divine temple. Although her words sounded deep and beautiful, all I could really hear was my mind saying loudly how much I rejected my body and how ready I was to leave this world behind. After listening quietly, I humbly admitted, Grandma, there has not been a single day for the past couple of years when I haven't thought about wanting to die. By then, I was only 10 years old. She immediately sat up and held my hands tightly while looking at me with her big blue eyes. At first, there was silence. Then she continued talking about the greatness and marvels of being alive. However, soon she realized that none of that was resonating with me. After a short pause, the words that I really needed to hear came out of her mouth. There is nothing wrong with dying, she said. I know, Grandma, I sighed. My mom says that I essentially died when I fell into the water tank when I was little. People are afraid of dying, but if you want to know the truth, that day in the tank after I left my body behind, I experienced the most joyful and peaceful moment of my life. That is what I will call being alive. It is to be in heaven. Grandma closed her eyes, and after a deep breath, she said, Death is part of life itself. We just think that they are separated. The end of one cycle is but the beginning of a new one. The important thing is to allow the cycle to reach its natural end. I clearly understood everything my grandma was saying, because I already knew that death was not the end. However, I didn't feel interested in being part of this long lasting cycle. Then she said, 
Time is meaningless if we learn to enjoy the ride with every breath. I love the part where she says, life and death is one. They are not separate. Yes, they are not, not separate. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much for your presence and your wisdom, a deep wisdom, Ingrid, uh, and the experience you have been through to show us, to just give us this confirmation, because like you said, it's a remembrance. So the more we hear those voices, your voice and so many other voices saying the same thing, it just brings us closer to that place of the heart of what life is all about, love, isn't it? Yes. So let's repeat that forever, (laughs) as long as we (laughs) exist every day, (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Yes, if we start learning to have gratitude, gratitude about everything. You know, Valeria, I say when people say, I have met people, they say, "I, I don't know how to feel gratitude because I have suffered so much. And I said, it doesn't have to be difficult, just... Get up in the morning, grab your coffee, smell it. Oh, it feels great. When you feel great, then you feel grateful. True. So you feel this sense of appreciation. Oh, the shower that I took. Oh, that rain. Oh, that flower. The little things in life, Valeria, are the expressions of love, life itself. Go back to that. Go back to the sample. I always say, God, keep me humble. God, keep me simple. Yeah, yes. I love the way you said that. Those two words, they came together really beautifully, feeling great and feeling grateful. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That was mm-hmm. wonderful and true. What is another word for healing? Oh, another word for healing is coming the mind. <laughs> mm, yeah. When you go to that place where you create that space for yourself, because to me, healing is not trying to deal with the outer world, Valeria, because the outer world is a result. I put the the example, if you have an equation, one plus one equals two, the number two is a result. There's nothing you can do there. The only thing you can do to change that is to go in to change the values inside the equation. So now one plus two, whatever you do, go within. So when I pray, when when I ask, when I meditate, I don't try to go to that place of change this in my life. I go to the place of I need clarity. How can I see things with other eyes? How can I perceive things with the eyes of clarity. What is the purpose of this? What is this doing for me? So now you're creating that space within yourself and you're connecting with the truth of the teachings of life. What is this trying to show me? And then the healing starts happening within with the change of perception. You don't even have to, to do anything in the outer world because the outer world, again, is just a result. It's just a response. The moment you go within and you start calming your mind, you start allowing yourself to just have that openness, to recreate that whole, even your whole chemistry start changing, then now the healing happens. And healing 
happens at all levels because it doesn't just manifest in the body. Now you have an attitude also that is, oh, that is great for the people around you. And then you start feeling good with yourself and the people around you feel good with you. I, I give the analogy of a cake. I love analogies. That's why yeah. I'm <laughs> these analogies. But I, I said every morning, if you wake up and you would have the possibility to bake a cake, say that you like cake or, or make a your bread or whatever you do that you like. But say this cake, which ingredients I want to put in my cake. So the ingredients is the inside part of the equation, how I want to make this delicious cake. Now the result is this yummy, delicious, incredible cake that if I share with others, everybody's delighted, joyful. (gasps) This is great. What happened if I decide I put poison in my cake and now I'm eating that poison and I'm poisoning everybody around me. So that's healing. It's a decision you make within yourself. How I want to see the world, how I want to behave today is in my hands. That's the inner power. It's in my hands to be that light, to be that peace, to be that joy. So true. If you knew you would die soon, losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? You know, I am going to be so open, so honest with you now that I just experienced the passing of my mom. It was sudden. It was, we were not expecting this. This happens two weeks ago. Wow. Wow. And the impact was Mm. so enormous, Valeria. And it's this place where I just, is the sense of, I don't want to miss anything. I don't, and the change is, it's amazing how sometimes we have to be hit so hard to realize I'm not spending enough time with my son, with my parents, with with myself, with with the people around me. And that stops us in, in the path. And to me, it's like, what if we live our life thinking every day? What if I die tomorrow? What if I learn to enjoy my moment now? Being that alignment with the now, what we were saying before, sends the tree, sends the bird, the voice of my son. If he comes, I, I stop what I'm doing and I'm give, I give him a hug. Mommy, I listen. His mommy, his, his word is, is now become a mantra. Oh, he's talking to me. Right. Beautiful. Yeah, this is a very deep awareness that everything here is fleeting and it will pass. It is a very important question to ask ourselves, I believe, every day. What if I die today? (laughs) And we don't want the regret because if the first thing I felt when I knew my mom was so sick was, oh my God, I I wish I would have spent more time with her. Wow, that hit me hard. And it's when it just completely changed the way I, I was managing my time. And it's been short time, but it's still, I mean, it's like, I've been so busy. I And now is like this big change of like, I'm devoting more time to what is important. So my last question to you, what are three things about this life, this reality, you know for sure? I know that we don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, some people say that. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know a lot though. You know what you know. <laughs> oh no, you know Valeria is amazing because every time we go deeper, yeah, there's there's a mental knowing, there's the education. I have the PhD, I've done so many studies, I read so many books, but every time I have that deeper sense of awakening, that deeper sense of like, we need to go back to be simple, clear the mind, calm the mind, it's going to that place again of like, I don't need any of that to go back home. (laughs) And the the less we have, the, the less clutter, the less clouds in the sky, the more the sky is present. See? That's so true. So true. So for me, what is, is real is, is going back to that space of, of calmness, going back to the space of being simple, going back to the, the, the space of like, let's be and remain humble. When we are arrogant, if I know, I even did it with my own career, Valeria, being a scientist, being, I, I have a lot of success, a lot of success, but I always say I want to be humble. I don't know everything. And somebody will come, yeah, teach me because I don't know that. And that makes us be more rich. This is amazing because it's, it's is, is realizing in the arrogance there's only suffering and we cannot evolve because the moment I think I know everything, then what is else to learn? If a cup is full, you cannot put more inside. I thought it was you're going to say something like, yeah, the more we think we know and the closer we get to something, the less we actually know. Because it seems like everything disappears and dissipates. Yes, yes. I, re- I remember one day I was in my car and I, and I had this absolute realization. Everything I thought I knew about myself, it's not even, it's not even me. None of it. I said, I said, yeah. Someday you have an accident, and you lose the memory of who you are, Valeria. You you don't even remember your parents, your career, your possessions, your address. You don't even remember your name, but you still are. You exist. You have a presence. You have life. So, wow. So it's, it's actually the peeling of the onion. To me, what is real is go back to the core. Is empty and, and go back, empty the cup. Go to the core of the onion and that's what is real. Yeah, so it is a process of unlearning. It's actually the opposite. Like you have been talking this whole conversation about calming the mind, which is going back to the state of being, which is open and nothing's really there in a way. Everything is there and at the same time, there's nothing there. Yeah, I love that. Yes, yes. The beings of light always said to me, nothing is happening. And at the same time, everything is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a paradox. What a wonderful paradox, right? (laughs) That's fun. And that's, I think, that's the fun about life, isn't it? Yes. It creates this sense of joy and gratitude. And you know, I I love that because every time I think there's something happening, all the drama, whatever, I stop and I say, nothing is happening. (laughs) And it ceases the mind. It stops everything. It's all happening. All these dramas in my head. Nothing is happening. Oh, you got to that space where you give yourself the opportunity to stop. Yeah, that creates the environment to see with clarity. Absolutely. 
It really does. It has been a peaceful conversation. I love your wisdom, love everything about your message. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I feel so honored, so blessed. And oh, I always say thank you also for the amazing work that you're doing, Valeria, because this work we don't do alone. Right, right. We One candle in the wind flickers, but all of us together create a big, huge flame and does the impact, does the work, is do it together. Yes, that's what I believe with all my being. Yes, let's do it together. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, well I have a website, ingridhonkala.com. I am also in all the social media. I do YouTube, I create just beautiful YouTube videos. <laughs> and I do online, I, online I do sessions too. Now my calendar is kind of closed because I am busy working in a project. And like I mentioned to you, I, I just became certified teacher working with um, this technique of meditation for daily stress. Uh, I learned it from my my dear brother, my soul brother, Michel Pascal. And now we're developing an application to help people that are at the verge to commit suicide, at the verge to, to lose everything, to become homeless, how we can help a person that is at risk in such extreme situation to calm the mind. So this is a big project, very important. And he, I mean, the work he's doing is incredible because He's working with prisoners in California, and just by using this technique, 85% of the prisoners don't go back to jail. When you have it ready, when it's out there, please send me a link. Oh, yes, I will. I, I will send you a, um, a gift to you, a couple of, of videos, examples of, of the meditations, and it's absolutely beautiful because they can be done every, that's the idea that you can use these practices in the middle of the wars of the moment. Right, right. I like that. Yeah, I know they have hotlines and all, but the more tools we have, the better it is. Yeah. The beautiful about this is that we don't give tips. We don't give messages. We, nothing because the mind is already cluttered. You cannot talk to a mind that is dominated at that moment by suffering. It's not possible. That's true. But you can share. So the way we meditate, meditation only part of the meditation is visualization and, and what you learn. The rest is just sharing the light that you carry, sharing the nectar of who you are. And if you share your voice, your calmness, your love with somebody that is in need, oh, now this can bring this person to that place of feeling better. Yeah. Yeah, sharing presence. Yes, yes. Yes. I love, love the project too. So keep me posted, please. <laughs> I will. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch. Yes. Thank you. Bye for now. Ingrid. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Ingrid Honkala, please visit her website, ingridhonkala.com. To 
learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.